Praise God. And I want to give you a piece of meat tonight to chew on. And uh, depending on how it goes, <clears throat> if you get it down, probably going to hear it again. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of covenant. And uh, I just want to take it slow. I don't know how long this is going to go. I don't know if I want you know what what God's going to do with this message, but uh, just turn in your Bible, get your Bibles out, and to turn to Proverbs chapter three verse five. Scripture you all know. It's almost as as familiar as John three sixteen. But you know, I've tried to teach you this over the years, and uh, you know, if you read your Word and you're reading and you're asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate things to you, He will. And no matter how many times you've read it, and that's what I think people don't understand. The Bible is not a book to be read like, you know, the bestseller or something that you read it like a novel. It's a book to be read because it's a living word. It's, it, it has the ability to, the Holy Spirit to leap off the page and to touch you. And uh, so no matter how many times you've read it, God can always show you something new in it. God can always bring something out, eliminate one little verse, one word, one whatever. And so the other day in my daily reading, I'm reading Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I love Proverbs 3. Of course, I know a lot of y'all do and have this scripture for what you, you know, is your life scripture, whatever. And, and I was reading it, so I'm just going to read it. Let me just start here. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I mean, I have prayed this so many times in life over my Christian walk. Just, you know, Lord, I don't really know what to do. I'm just trusting in you, and, and you know, and, and you're going to lead me and guide me. I'm taking heart in that and whatever, okay? And so the other day when I read it, it just something, the Holy Spirit just, you know, that's all it is. It's just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just, just jumped out like in bright letters on my Bible, the word trust. And so I was just thought, you know, okay, well, trust. I know what trust is, you know, trust. What do you mean trust? It's trust, right? And so then I looked up the word. I stopped and I said, okay, let me go look up the word. So I looked up the word in the Hebrew. And it means to trust, to trust in, to have confidence, to be confident, to be bold, to be secure, to cause to trust, to make secure. To feel safe, and then here's where it happened. To feel safe or be careless. And when I saw that word in there, careless, you know, I would say that 90% of the time if I use the word careless, it's in a negative connotation. Oh, he's just being careless. Oh, he was careless and cut his finger on the saw. I very rarely use the word careless as the word of no cares, right? We would use something different probably. Carefree, you know, but careless. Y'all, you're all with me in this and I'm not the only one that thinks like this. So when I saw it, I was just thinking, I started saying it, careless. I'm careless. I, I, Less, not many, small amount. I'm care less. And I started saying that and I thought to myself, and it just hit me. 
And I'm just telling you my, what happened to me and what, what touched my heart. When I saw it like that, I, I stopped and I began to look inwardly and say, okay, wait a minute now. I'm saying I trust the Lord, but have I been at a place that I'm trusting the Lord that I am carefree? I have no concerns, no worries. I am careless. And when I said that to me, I was convicted that that's not where I'm at, right? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I'm convicted that's not where I'm at. I'm worrying about all kinds of things. And I, I say the word worry, let, let's just say it like Paul says, the concerns of the church come upon me daily. And I'm concerned for this person, concerned for that, concerned to this, concerned to that. I have concerns that I'm going around that I'm saying, oh, God, how are you going to work that out? You know, how's this going to go? I'm not just careless. So then I began to think about how many people in this world I know that work hard or maybe not work hard. Maybe they inherit wealth, but they, or they work hard or they work a business hard. They, you know, they're, they, they, they do big things. They get big, you know, they get their, their dream home, their dream place, their dream whatever. And they've got all the dreams out there, all the money in the bank. So then they can retire and supposedly be careless. You know, remember when I'm saying the word careless, I'm not talking about a negative sense, right. Right? right? And that doesn't work out all the time. They get a divorce, they get cancer, they, something happens, they get shipwrecked, you know, whatever, something goes wrong. And to live a life when you can say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and realize that all of your heart means he brought you to a place that you are careless. So I put the challenge to you. Where are you? Are you careless tonight? Are you at the place in life where you're just like, it, you know, it doesn't really make any difference what falls at my left or my right. God's got it. Everything's okay. I'm going to be all right. Okay, so look at Matthew 6.25. In the scripture we know, Jesus said, Matthew 6.25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Okay, now if you take Proverbs 3.5, of what he was saying, trust means, and then you look at, you know, Matthew 6, 25, and you put those two scriptures together, he's saying, therefore I say you don't worry about your life because you don't have to worry about your life because you're careless in the Lord. So there's no need to worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. I used to read that scripture when I first got saved, and I said, I just cannot fathom that one, Lord. How, how can I not worry about what I'm going to eat and drink. How, how can I not be concerned that I need to go to the work and I need to, you know, I was broke and we were making just enough money every, basically every day to eat on. And how am I going to do that? You know, I am concerned. I am worried. I've got to be there. And then you say, don't worry. Well, now I see looking, if you look at those two scriptures together, you're so trusting in the Lord. You're so confident in the Lord. You're so secure. Cause see, that's what those words meant. Let me go back. Confidence, secure, feel safe, be careless. That's what the word trust means. John 10, 29, you're in the palm of the Father's hand and nothing can take you out. You're so secure. 
It doesn't really make any difference to see, but we don't do that. We Christians, we get saved, we go get born again, we know Jesus touched our life, and then we try to work out this whole life. And everything we're doing, we're trying to work it out in our own abilities, our own abilities to reason. And folks, I'm telling you, you can't reason the Spirit of God. Because this God, I mean, I got another scripture here, blow your mind. This God is so God that we're trying to take what we know of human nature, of what made you feel secure in life, a, a, a home where you felt secure as a child and all of a sudden one day the parents got a divorce and they were broken and all of a sudden you were in a broken home and your whole world was upside down. You lost your security. So you're trying to figure out how do you have security in God and trust in him because this is all that you know. But I'm telling you, God is so God. It doesn't make, it's, it's, that's why he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. It's, he's so much higher on a plane that he's wanting us to enter into, but we keep comparing him to natural events and natural people on this earth to try to figure out who God is, and you cannot do that. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, says, don't even worry about your life. Why? Oh, you don't have to because you're trusting in him. Okay. I'm just going to give you a few of these. Like I said, I'm going to go back over this. I'm not going to quit on this. This is just not going to be one little tidbit because there is, a, this is so much wealth right here of, of Holy Ghost setting free message that we need to hear today. So, but I'm just going to give you some of these quickly for tonight. Uh, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, right? It's not going to return to me void. When God says something, it's going to happen, right? It can't be brought back. Okay, now here's the, here's the next biggie. Go to Jeremiah 33, 20. Jeremiah 33, 20. And let's look at this scripture tied in with those other three, four. Jeremiah 33, 20 says, Thus says the Lord. Now this is the time. Let me set the setting. <clears throat> okay, let me, let me just back up and really set the setting for this part of Jeremiah. Everybody loves Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know my thoughts towards you, right? Everybody loves Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and answer me, and I'll show you great and mighty things you know not. Every preacher's got that one in their hip pocket. But what most people don't look at is the whole context of what's happening from chapters 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, is Jeremiah the prophet is telling them that Israel's done. They're toast. That Nebuchadnezzar's coming. He is the hand of God coming in. They're going to besiege the city. They're going to destroy it. And the only way you're going to get out is if you go to, the, to, to Babylon and be taken captive, give up everything you've got, leave and go to that other city and find the peace in that city and, and teach your children. And remember, because it's going to be 70 years before you come back. And they take Jeremiah, they persecute him, they throw him in prison, they throw him in the stocks, they throw him in the lowest dungeon where it's just terrible. But in the middle of all of this, <laughs> I don't even understand how this works. The city is being sieged outside. So, you know, when you lay a siege on a city, you basically surround it, you let nothing come in, you let nothing go out until everybody starves to death and they're going to give up. That's the, that's the principle of siege. Sometimes sieges would be six months. You know, yeah, a year. They could siege the city for a whole year, right? So it's not so. So in the process of this, Jeremiah's nephew comes to him and says, 
uh, yeah, uncle, I've got this piece of property I'd like to sell, and you're in line to buy it. What? The city is under siege. Jeremiah himself is imprisoned. Everybody hates Jeremiah, and the stupid nephews come up there trying to sell him a piece of property? Well, you know what, Jer- you know what the son, you know what the nephew's thinking is, man, I'm going to have to flee this place. I need some pocket cash, and I want to get rid of it, and he's in line to buy it. And so, uh, I, you know, let's see if he can do it. Well, the Lord had already spoke to Jeremiah the day before and said, hey, he's going to come and offer you a piece of land and buy it. So Jeremiah, in prison, buys this piece of land. He goes out, and he gets all of this. He tells him to get it. He goes out. They did the, the, the deal done. The whole deal's done. They get the deed done. They sign it before everybody, and he owns the piece of property. Right? Well, that's not, I mean, that's, I mean, great. You own a piece of property, but you're still in the dungeon. And so God keeps speaking to Jeremiah, and this is one of the things he speaks to Jeremiah, 3320. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that there will be no day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant. So that, he will, so that he shall not have a son to reign in the throne and with the Levites and the, uh, the priests and my ministers. Now think about this, folks. I mean, I guess someone could be worried about this, and if you are, you, you, know, you really need to go to freedom prayer. But In my daily concerns, I have never been concerned with the sun not coming up. Right? I have never, ever sat around and thought, oh, gosh, is, it, is the day going to break? Now, there's been some times at night I wish it would hurry up and get daylight, right? But I have never doubted that the sun is going to come up. Why? Because every, every day of my life it's come up and it's gone down. Changes with the seasons at the timing or whatever, but I never have. The moon comes up, goes down, whatever. I mean, you know, it's, just, it's, it's so faithful and so consistent. And God says here, I want to change it just a little bit. I'm not changing the word of God. I'm just changing what he says. He said, it would be easier to break my covenant and make the sun not come up than it would for what I have spoken not to happen. All right, back to Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. You're so secure in the Lord. You're so confident in the Lord. You're so carefree, careless in the Lord that he is going to do what he said he's going to do for you. But now right here we get to the point, so, well, yeah, well, he's going to get me to heaven. You know, I I believe that. I'm confident that I'm going to die and go to heaven. But what about everything else? It's like saying you have you have a child, you 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 know, you're you you're you your you and your wife, you have a child, you raise the child up and you tell the child one day, look, I want to guarantee you got clothes, but that's it. But that's how we do with God. We're believing him to get us to heaven when we die, but we're really not believing him and careless about he taking care of our everyday needs or the problems that come up or the things that need to be lined up. Because he said if we do, he'll acknowledge him in all of our ways, he'll, he'll direct all of our paths and make sure that we're, our foot's in the right place. 
So he's saying it, it, it's the same. I make a covenant and y'all don't even think about that the sun comes up and goes down and the sun comes up and goes down. It would be easier for that covenant to be broken. If you could break that covenant, if you could stop the sun from coming up, if y'all have a way to stop the sun from coming up, then maybe. Otherwise, I am going to be there in the morning for you. Faithful, consistent, loving you, being there to bless you. I'm going to be there whether you think I am or not. Whether, you know, I have to admit, this last silly time change really got me messed up. And I, therefore, uh, I don't, you know, I would think it wouldn't mess me up going forward. But man, it messed me up and I could not get I couldn't get going, even though I tried to go to bed earlier and I tried to get myself right, and I just felt like I'd been on a, you know, like a long flight or something. And, and one morning I woke up and I looked out the, the, the window and it was daylight. And I was like, holy cow, what time is it? You know, because I never, I usually am always up before daylight. And it was daylight. Uh, and so, so it happened and I wasn't even up to see it. See what I mean? Because I really like that time in the morning, right as it's getting daylight, there's something that when you can't see outside and then all of a sudden, you just moment by moment, it starts to appear. I, I like that. I like that. You know, I, look, I like sunsets. Uh, that, that's special to me, but I like that morning. It seems fresh and new, all right? But God's saying, just like that. That's how I want you to live life, so careless that you know my love is there. My love's here. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I want you to trust in me with all, with all your heart. I want you to be careless. I want you to be carefree to know that you're, I, I've got you. All right. Y'all don't believe me. I can tell. Might as well just go home. One more scripture. Hebrews 6.13. I guess I'm saying this to y'all, and y'all sound like it's just a fairy tale. It can't be real, but let me tie it all in right here. Hebrews 6.13, Hebrews 6.13 says, When God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessings I will bless you and multiply I will multiply you. Now, <clears throat> oh, I get the point. I see why you don't believe me. I got it. You don't believe me because, see, you're thinking that God, yeah, his covenant, but what is his covenant? You're sitting there saying, yeah, I know God, you know, yeah, he's, but, you know, you're pastor and, you know, you're doing these things. And then, but just me over here and, you know, who am I to be getting anything from the king? And why would God be doing this for me? And, you know, don't you have to, you know, be doing something special in order to get to this place? And see, that's what you're saying. But you got to understand something. <clears throat> Abraham came before the Levitical law. Abraham was before Moses, right? God cut a covenant with Abraham. Although I read the Levitical law, I read what God did with Moses, I read that because it's there. I'm not really interested in it because that doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. All right? But what does bring me great interest is what God did with Abraham. 
Because what God did with Abraham, according to Galatians 3.13, says that the blessings of Abraham come upon me because I am in that lineage of what God said to Abraham. Not Moses, Abraham. So he says here, surely he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiply, I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. For men indeed swear by greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. An oath for confirmation is an end to them of all dispute. In other words, when you made a covenant, it was the end of all dispute. Once you made the covenant and the covenant was made, it's not like blessing lawyers today that break covenants break contracts and find loopholes out and this and that and the other. No, when you made a covenant, you did it, you knew it was there, you were secure. You were secure because of the security of the covenant. Not because of the other person, but of the security of the covenant. So God said, for he, for men indeed swear by greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. That's on a human level. Thus God determined to show the more to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, the unstoppability of his counsel, the, the, the you know, unrestraining of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor to the soul, both secure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered in for us. He entered in, Jesus entered in for us. Even Jesus having become a high priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. The covenant God cut with Abraham through Jesus to us. Hear me now. Here in Hebrews 6, he's trying to get across and saying, just like you cut a covenant and you make a covenant, a pact together, an oath together that will not be broken, and then you sit back and you rest securely that you have the covenant. So we can live a careless life in the covenant that we're in with God because Jesus went in and made this covenant for us. And you're in the covenant because you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you say, well, pastor, that's just too easy. It is. It is the craziest covenant and thing I've ever seen in my life. But he made the rules and I'm just going to follow. He made the decision to let everything be on Jesus. And I'm just going to take it into my life. So what I'm saying to you, church, is that we don't understand the power of covenant because we get saved and we, we make Jesus the Lord of our life and we're so happy about it, but we don't really understand what that is. And it's a covenant. And God's like looking at you saying, why are you worried? Now I'm talking to myself. Remember, I got the message. God's looking at me and saying, why are you worried? I got this. It's covenant. I want you to be careless. You're supposed to be careless and just carry my gospel out and tell people about me. It may sound impossible, but it's the truth. 
It's a big piece of meat to chew on, but it is the truth. When you start to realize that God wants you to be in a place with him that you're carefree, careless, because you're so secure in him that he's got you and he's going to take care of you. Hello? All right. I mean, I tried. I tried. <clears throat> I'm telling you, listen to me, folks. You need to take these scriptures and you start chewing on them. You need to look at this. You need to look them up for yourself. You need to keep going. Like I said, I'm not going to give up on this one. I want to keep going because some light bulb's going to turn off and on in somebody's head, not off, on in somebody's head. And you're going to grab hold of this and it's going to set you free so that you can be careless the rest of your life. How much do we worry about? Everything. Money, our government, people, family, the world, what's coming. Oh, my goodness, you can just go onto the Internet and just start looking around and make you, you know, it's just everything in the world. There's things out there now that I didn't even know were out there. I didn't even know I needed to be worried about those. All right. Okay. So we all at least chew on it? Okay. Well, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead, if I am. <clears throat> so I stand up and I want to pray over you. Lord, I pray tonight in Jesus' mighty name. I, I, I just pray that people heard this. I pray, Lord God, that it stirs our spirits to seek you more and more. That, Lord, we can become so confident in our covenant with you. So confident, Lord God, in that you have a safety in safety and security that we can literally be careless, carefree, that the enemy can't even get us stirred up about anything because we know that we're so secure and wrapped in you, that we're trusting in you, Lord, with all of our heart. We're trusting in you, Lord, with all of our heart. So I pray, Lord God, where there's conviction tonight that we search it out and keep repenting and looking and digging and growing so that this can be a revelation to us, Lord. I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, that no matter how bleak the things may look in a person's life, I declare you are the God of covenant and there is power in covenant and that you have a place of victory for us. So, Lord, bless the people tonight. Bless their finances, bless their businesses, bless their giving, Lord God. I just declare, Lord God, that you are our financier. You're everything, and you are taking care of it. And we give you all the praise tonight, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.